Hello and welcome to Making a Better New, a podcast by the Campus Culture and Climate Committee, focusing on elevating voices we don't usually get to hear in our campus discourse. I'm Stephen Keshishian, your co-producer and sound engineer. With me today, I have... Hello, I'm Bill Woodson, Dean of Outreach at New College of Florida. And today, we're going to be evaluating civility, understanding its prior importance, its good and bad, and its place in our world today in 2021. And its place here on the campus of New College of Florida. 100%. Um, Dr. Woodson, this was actually another one of your ideas. And uh, what made you want to discuss civility? Well, when I came to New College, I had always thought of civility as being something that was just completely a positive. Uh, I was not familiar with the framework that saw civility as a tool of oppression, which is a commonly held view here at New College. So I really had to educate myself about that and wanted to understand how do we create a positive, inclusive climate and how do we do that and also respect the fact that uh, civility is seen as a positive by some, but not by all. I think the conversation we're going to have with these next guests um, are going to be um, really beneficial to us as we listen to them and to our audience uh, of variety of opinions. Uh, I look forward to seeing what our guests have to say. Let's see what they have to say. Thanks, Stephen. So it's an honor to meet you, Judge Williams, and thank you for signing up for this. No problem. All right. And so, you know, I'll start by saying, you know, from a professional definition, uh, being both a judge and a lawyer. Um, and the Florida Bar is the governing body of lawyers in, in the state of Florida. They were so concerned about the lack of civility among lawyers that they actually changed the oath of admission to the Florida Bar. So before you can become a lawyer, after you pass the bar exam, you have to take an oath. And they actually added language uh, because of their concern. And, and let me just read to you what the uh, added language is. Uh, so there's this oath that you take, but within it now is to opposing parties and their counsel, I pledge fairness, integrity, and civility, not only in court, but also in all written and oral communications. So the entire legal profession recognized that the lack of civility, the lack of uh, the ability of people to speak to each other in a respectful manner warranted putting that in the oath of admission. And that's more than just symbolic. The Florida Bar is actually the governing body of lawyers, and they actually are the, the, the group that imparts discipline to lawyers. So one of the big things that they have been disciplining lawyers on is a lack of civility. So if you get into something more than a professional argument uh, with another lawyer, it becomes a personal attack. Uh, it becomes something that is uh, uncivil. The Florida Bar can actually discipline you on that and actually revoke your uh, or suspend your law license. So it was put in there for not only a symbolic reason, uh, but for a strategic reason, because they realized that the lack of civility in the legal profession was hurting the profession. Wow. Now, you know, I want to follow up. Um, who in the Bar Association determines what is civil? Like, 
Well, what happens is uh, the typical scenario in order to get something in front of the Florida bar to make that determination is let's say that there's a courtroom situation and a lawyer makes a personal attack on another lawyer. Not uncommon. Uh, they go outside the uh, the frame of the legal argument and make a personal attack, calling someone a liar or saying that you're a racist or you're a misogynist. And it has absolutely nothing to do with the case. Mm -hmm. The lawyer can be reported to the Florida bar who will then decide whether or not that person actually made those statements. And if they did make those statements, was it contrary to the oath of civility? So you have a board that sort of like a jury that'll make that decision. They can decide whether or not that person actually broke uh, one of the fundamental professional rules of the Florida bar and can recommend punishment. Ultimately, it's the Florida Supreme Court that is the judge, jury, and executioner. They can actually determine whether or not that lawyer should be uh, disciplined for it. So that's the typical process. Do you think there are some limitations to using civility as our main tool to, of dialogue and discussion? I think there's some limitations because there doesn't seem to be a universal definition of what is civil, right? It's sort of like, I know it when I see it or I know it when I hear it. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like in sports when you have to determine whether or not a certain act by an athlete was actually a foul or violation. And I know that a lot of it is uh, cultural. I know that a lot of it is circumstantial. I know that a lot of it is regional. Uh, you know, certainly someone from the South who has dealt with people from, say, a New York City or New Jersey uh, because of the sort of the traditions of the Southern uh, people in terms of being a little less in your face. Uh, what's normal in a conversation with someone from New Jersey or New York might offend someone from the South who was raised in sort of a traditional type of dialogue with other people. Um, and, you know, you've, you've heard these classic stories about people yelling and, and screaming. And, and then we say, are you from New York? And they go, yes. Oh, okay. I understand. So it, a lot of it is, is hard to really define because it's so regional and it's so subtle. What is civil and what isn't? So because we don't really have a real definition of civility, it makes it very difficult. Diversity, there is some merit to diversity of thought. There is some merit to saying, hey, look, we have to be, we can't, we may not necessarily agree, but we have to at least be within a certain area of difference, right? So I think that, that you have to have people on campus and you have to have faculty on campus that is not all one-sided or the other. Now, obviously, there's dangers if you have extremes on either side, but, you know, it, it, you can't live in a cocoon, right? You can't live and be in a place where you're only going to hear things that you want to hear. So when you get out into what's called the real world, you hear something different and you don't know how to deal with it. So, you know, that's the danger, I think, with the sort of monolithic thinking that occurs on some campuses and uh, in terms of not only students and faculty, but everyone else, if they're all thinking the same way, they're going to stifle other people's creativity and other people's thoughts. So I mean, that's just the last. I've seen, and I've, and I've seen that. Listen, I, Lebanon is very sectarian. So you have towns that are Sunni Muslim, Shia Muslim, um, Orthodox Christian. 
all within 30 minutes of each other. And then you go into those areas, you know, where they all have that same line of religious thinking and those customs and you have to conform. And, you know, when you see that these bubbles exist, so, and they're all Lebanese, they all speak the same language, but they're so, oh, those, that's the other, that's this, they do, we, you know, we do the cross this way. They, and then, and then there's this, and then you're like, what's go, what's going on here? First of all, all of y'all are poor. Second of all, you know, like the countries and the champels, like get together, please. And right. I'm see, and I'm seeing it here where right. it's, you know, it's us versus them. Like when I when I see people get really mad at Trump supporters, I'm like, well, at the end of the day, climate change affects all of us. Like, so let's just try to talk to people because I'm a firm, I'm a firm believer of it's systems in place that help form people's ideology. And if we mm-hmm. don't try to come from a good place and have this discussion, people will never change. No. And you have to understand why people think that, mm-hmm. that way. Right. So, you know, you're doing yourself a disfavor, even if you have a certain agenda that you want to push. Mm-hmm. If you don't understand why the other side feels that way. Right. Mm-hmm. If you don't understand what's driving uh, people who um let's say in a political environment, why they're voting for a certain candidate. If you're just calling them idiots and you're saying they're just stupid, you're, you're going to lose an election because you can't figure out what it is that's attracting you to that particular candidate because you don't want to, for even a second, figure out why are they thinking that way? I mean, what, what's driving them? And, and, and so I think that there are certain realities that, you know, this monolithic way of thinking is is hindering uh, whatever agendas you may have, because you need to understand why people think that way. Steven here. I hope you're enjoying our current episode. Feel free to leave us a review on wherever you're listening to our podcast. And if you have any additional comments or recommendations, please email us at OOIE at NCF.edu. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Hello, this is Stephen from Making a Better New, and I'm with uh, Dr. Lipinski, Doctor of Computer Science here at New College. How are you, Dr. Lipinski? Uh, doing really well today. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you. So today's episode is really centered around civility and a conversation about civility. So I have to start off with asking, what is civility to you, and is it important? So, yes, civility is important, but I think that Coming up with a definition, it's one of those things that's a little bit hard to pin down. So uh, I think on the one hand, um, civility is about mutual respect, that engaging in in civil discourse is to to be respectful of the people that you're in conversation with and to, to speak in ways that are not offensive or disrespectful. I mean, the problem is that, I mean, when I think about definitions of civility, when you get into the idea of, I want to be respectful of the people that I'm in conversation with, but I don't necessarily need to respect um, all of the ideas that are put forth in the conversation. And so I think one of the challenges with civil discourse is being able to separate being it is reasonable in an academic environment to be very, very critical of certain ideas, but at the same time to be respectful of the people who are voicing those ideas. Mm-hmm. And what would you say are some of the limitations of civility? Haitian with civility is that 
I mean, there are some ideas and viewpoints that people find very, I mean, people legitimately find very, very hurtful. And to figure out if we're in civil discourse with each other, like how do I respond when an idea is put forward that is so hurtful to my identity that um, I'm not sure how to, how to respond in such a way without um, disrespecting you. I'm not, um, I think one of the things that's really important, especially again, when you talk about really difficult issues like say, uh, like say gay marriage or uh, particular issues of faith, uh, issues of, of ethnic backgrounds, um, uh, stereotypes. I mean, I think it's important that the person that you're talking to realizes that what they've said is hurtful. So I think that instead of if you said something that was hurtful to me because of my my identity, that responding quickly by attacking back at you is unlikely to lead to good discourse. But I think talking from my heart, talking from a place of sincerity and saying like, you know, when when you talk about this issue or the way that you talk about this issue is really hurtful to me because that can be a doorway to uh, to a more uh, a more civil discourse that tries to like separate the people from the hurtful idea. Like I'm not saying you're a bad person because you voiced this hurtful viewpoint. It's like I know you're a good person. Let me help you understand why that viewpoint is so hurtful to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't want to let people off the hook who are saying hurtful things. I think that all of us have an obligation to help folks in our community to understand um, when when they're saying things that may be hurtful, when they're saying things that may be um, uh, exacerbating social differences, that may be um, targeting particular marginalized groups. Like we all have an obligation to help people to understand that what they're doing is um, is is hurtful and is is damaging the, the community. So let me say two things. Okay. First of all, the courses that I teach tend not to give rise to, I think, the types of difficult conversations that arise in mm-hmm. some other courses. Um, I think that um, the the closest that I come is I sometimes teach a course on uh, the internet, internet technologies, where we talk about the the interplay between internet technologies and society. And so this is an area where um, it touches on the boundary between uh, internet technologies and politics, internet technologies and society and social issues, and um, issues such as uh, censorship and um, uh, censorship and surveillance and freedom online versus okay. like security. Mm-hmm. And we can get into some very difficult discussions with regards to, say, um, you know, government surveillance of the internet for the purpose of keeping people safe and what that sort of surveillance may mean to some people, particularly people in marginalized communities who are concerned about their activity online um, being um, 
monitored or recorded and what that might, um, how that might be harmful to them. Do you think internet culture being a professor of comp sci has kind of killed civility? Yeah, that's a really difficult question. And I think that I think that the internet has on the whole been harmful for um, for civility and civil discourse in society. And I think it's in large part because discourse online, um, whether that be um, a forum here, an electronic forum here at New College, or whether it be Twitter or whether it be Reddit, that when you're just seeing someone else's text and you're not in the same room as them, I think it's easier to forget that you and they may be members of the same community. Um, and I think that the, the, you know, the best tool that we have for um, enhancing civility is empathy and uh, to remember that the people that you're talking to do have, even if they're different in key ways, that you do have some shared connection with these people, whether it be you're both striving for great education at New College, or even if it's just that you're both um, citizens of Florida, um, that you're both, um, you know, patriots in the United States or what, like there's, there are shared identities that we have that are easy to forget about when you're just looking at the text of somebody's um, um, you know, toxic online language. Yeah, so, exactly. And you know, this is super random, but what, my, what comes to my head is that's how the Catholics may have felt when the printing press came out and Martin Luther put his little <laughs> notes on the shirt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that there is a... <laughs> So um, I always say these yeah. problems are always evolving. And I think the same yeah. societal problems happen mm -hmm. through different mediums, right? Yeah. And, you know, being a young person on this campus, right, a young 18-year-old or 19-year-old, mm -hmm. um, and I'm not acting like I'm an old person. Yeah. Um, I'm only like 22 and I just graduated. What would you tell a young comp sci student that's going to enter these hard discussions and may come from a place of privilege. What should they keep in mind when trying to have a civil conversation with people that may not come from the same background as them? Yeah, so I think there's um, there's a couple of things. So the first thing I think, I mean, I think the two things that I think that all of our students need are humility and empathy. So I think that empathy is the ability to try to understand emotionally um, where, where someone else is coming from, to try to, um, even though people are having experiences that you haven't had, trying to talk to them enough, trying to, to, to understand where they're feeling and understand where they're coming from. Like I think empathy, um, forming emotional connections with the human beings that you work with is incredibly important. And the other thing is humility. I think that there's a tendency to um, overgeneralize from our own experiences, uh, to think that that our experiences are, um, um, you know, are universal and that, you know, because it was this way for me, because I understand it this way that, you know, other people should as well. And I think the humility to say, like, hey, 
um, my experiences may have caused glaring holes in my understanding of the world. And that doesn't mean that I'm bad or that I'm stupid, but I think having the humility to say, like, gee, you know, I, I really, really believe this based on my upbringing, but, you know, maybe there's enough of the world that I don't understand. And again, like I say this even as somebody, you know, who's well into my 40s, there's a lot of things about this world that I don't understand. And having the humility to believe that uh, other people you encounter likely understand a lot of things better than you do. A hundred percent. Thank you so much for your time and advice, Dr. Lipinski. Um, appreciate it. My pleasure. Stephen, thanks very much for putting these uh, discussions together. These were two really extremely interesting conversations. While I, on the one hand, really related very closely to Judge Williams and his comments, I think I learned more actually listening to Professor Lipinski. Uh, he had a really effective way of evaluating both sides of the of the of the concern around civility, its importance, civility, its problems, and uh, like I said, I, I learned a lot. I think his comment that uh, our students will really benefit from humility and empathy. That was really uh, an important insight. And that, uh, as well as his comment about how being self-aware that even, you know, closely held values can be in conflict with the lived realities and experiences of other people and how that shapes how you engage these conversations. I really appreciated that observation as well. This is Bill Woodson, Dean of Outreach at New College of Florida. And this is Stephen Gishishad. Thank you for listening. <laughs>